Thunder Media. On this episode of Inside Motorsport, we remember Alan Horsley with one of his close associates, John Waterhouse. I hope you'll stay with us. Well, John Waterhouse had a long involvement with Alan Horsley. And John, welcome to the show. And I start with a few words from another man we know quite well, Paul Gover, who summed up his thoughts about Alan was, Alan was a great man by any measure. I was blessed to know him and to call him my friend. And I think everyone who knew Alan Horsley has those sentiments. He was so warmly and well regarded. And I wanted to have a chance to speak to you today about the Alan Horsley you got to know. Yeah, well, um, there's been some fantastic uh, reports and and renditions of Alan's life on uh, social media. And uh, they have been incredibly uh, well written and from the heart. And uh, I think that uh, Alan uh, was a visionary and uh, I got, got to know him uh, at the beginning of the Alan Moffat days of of uh, RX7 racing, and I was a, a rotary enthusiast from uh, day dot. So uh, I have been following uh, Alan and Alan Moffat's journey with the RX7. But uh, Alan Horsley started uh, racing himself back in uh, down at the Hume Weir which was a racing track near Albury, and he had a, a open ha- home-built car that uh, he did incredibly well with, and uh, eventually he left the Albury area and was asked to be a promoter at Oran Park, which is a racing circuit, or now, unfortunately, a housing estate uh, at uh, south of Sydney. And uh, Alan certainly... Uh, did a fantastic job picking Oran Park up from a uh, a circuit that was uh, really failing, and uh, he was able to make that Oran Park a absolute favourite for uh, both racing car drivers and spectators. And really, one of the big claims to fame there was that having been a Victorian and down at Hume Weir down at Albury, he'd noticed this uh, young up-and-coming bloke, a bloke called Peter Brock, who was running around in a little Austin A30 with a six-cylinder Holden engine in it. Anyway, he had already caught Alan's eye as being quite spectacular and a perfect driver. So Alan did something quite amazing. He invited Peter Brock up to Oran Park and was the first promoter in Australia to offer tow money, which meant that he would pay for the fuel for Peter Brock to get there. But he was also entrepreneurial enough to ensure that he only ever raced at Oran Park and had signed an agreement that he wouldn't race at any other circuit in New South Wales. So Alan had this great guy, Peter Brock, and I think that uh, this helped dramatically in upping Peter Brock's profile and uh, showcasing Peter Brock's talent. So uh, that was uh, a good start to Alan's work before he um, 
he joined Mazda uh, and the Alan Moffat, Peter Stuyvesant team. You had long connections, as you said, with RX-7s and RXs, rotary engine cars. Did did Alan come to Mazda because he saw the potential of the RX-7 or did Mazda see the potential in Alan Horsley? I think it was mutual that uh, Alan was a a racer's racer and uh, obviously uh, Moffat was well and truly on the map with the uh, Falcons and uh, here was this little... uh, Japanese screamer of a, a car that uh, was really uh, a David against Goliath type match of which Alan really enjoyed that sort of challenge where uh, it was challenging to, to get up there and mix it with the big V8 boys. So I think that Alan really thought that the concept was fantastic and Mazda uh, grabbed Alan with both hands realising that he was very, very talented in uh, not only racing but in uh, the PR side of things and uh, could do big things for Mazda in Australia. And that's just what he did. So how did Alan Horsley, at this stage of Sydney and Melbourne and looking at the car markets around Australia, come to find... John Waterhouse, the proprietor of Reliance Automotive in Canberra. Uh, an interesting story, and as you had alluded to before, the, a good friend of yours and mine, Paul Gover, who is a was a motoring journalist in Canberra, and Alan Horsley was always super keen on providing journalists with the best opportunity to test the cars that Mazda had to offer, and in this particular occasion. Alan wanted some uh, local rally guy to select some roads and organise some people to run a pseudo rally in Canberra uh, during the week. And uh, Paul Gove actually put my name up in front of Alan and said, look, you could give this bloke a a call. He might be able to help. And uh, actually went over to see Alan over at, where he's staying, and uh, we got on like a house on fire because uh, Alan had done numerous rallies before and had competed in uh, the Southern Cross Rally and the Alpine Rally, and uh, there was a lot of mutual interest, and uh, we had a great time, and the launch that I was able to help him with was incredibly successful, and that forged the relationship from then on in. Which led you to be part of the RX-7 SP project, which dominated the competition at Mount Panorama and Eastern Creek in those 12-hour races. Yes, um, certainly Mazda had released a absolute rocket in, the, in 1992 with the Mazda RX-7 FD, and uh, Alan was a master of surrounding himself with people who were talented and like-minded. And uh, the first three years he ran up at Bathurst and was the first time he had had 
a, a success as in winning up there. He had tried numerous times with the earlier RX-7 with Alan Moffat. They did come second, but never on the top row of the podium. But in this case, uh, he was able to get a band of people together, including apprentices from uh, Mazda and some damn fine drivers. And he was able to win three times at Bathurst. And in the fourth year, uh, the race moved to Eastern Creek. And basically, Porsche, who had been beaten at the mountain for three years, said, well, that's enough. We're going to bring our absolute latest rocket ship out to Eastern Creek. And this is time to turn the tables and put Porsche back on top. And this is where Alan sat down and said, not on your Nelly. And he stuck his nose in the rule book and worked out exactly what he had to do to win a race at Eastern Creek. And uh, he summoned a whole heap of people. And I was lucky enough to be one of them that sat around a table at his Kingsgrove workshop. And he said, righto, this is what we need to do. You guys need to make this happen for Mazda and myself. So uh, we were all incredibly enthusiastic and Alan always seemed to be able to just make you feel as if you wanted to give your best every time. And so the SPRX7 was born around a table. He had incredible trouble getting it past the hierarchy of Mazda because it was a, a car that was well over $100,000 to purchase. And uh, yet he was able to convince uh, the powers to beat to allow him to build 25 cars that met the rules and uh, went out and absolutely gave the opposition a pasting of which uh, Porsche could not believe that, uh, that a Japanese manufacturer could possibly have done what had happened to her, which was soundly beaten four years in a row. Your relationship with Alan continued well past those racing years. Indeed. Um, Alan, um, he was also a, a very keen fisherman and he would, with a, a good friend of his, uh, Michael Kassane, organised a fishing trip out on the Great Barrier Reef, uh, and uh, that was a five-day trip out to the reef, and uh, he invited uh, various people, including uh, the people who had driven with him, Dick Johnsons and uh, Gary Walden and others that also accompanied him, and it was a very, very social event. And uh, once again, I was lucky enough to, to go up there for a couple of years, and uh, you really got to know the man outside work, which was was really, really good. But when it came back to work, uh, he was totally focused and uh, uncompromising on what he needed to get done to make it a success. He also saw Targa and the, the potential of Targa. Were you involved with any of the Targa Tasmania com campaigns? Uh, yes, uh, right from day one. Uh, I've been a regular service crew down there and it started 
actually with the Premier uh, of Tasmania at the time, uh, Mr Hodgman, Hodgman, and uh, we prepared an MX5 for him and uh, took it down there and we were all absolutely proud as punch and it, it, uh, it ran beautifully only to find that uh, he had never held a manual licence and only could drive an automatic. And so we said, oh, you can do it, you can do it. And unfortunately, the clutch lasted a day before it cried enough. <laughs> and so we were sidelined on the on our first little run, but it wasn't a serious run. It was a, a PR run. But uh, after that, uh, we had great successes with uh, RX-7s. And once again, Alan decided that he'd have a red-hot go at this and built a turbocharged RX-8, which was uh, named the RX-8 SP, and uh, it ran really well, but the competition that it was up against was uh, the Lamborghinis, and that was a, just a tall order to beat a Lamborghini, particularly in the hands of a very talented uh, local Tasmanian. So uh, we... We got up to second, but uh, couldn't get onto the top row of the podium there. It was damn good fun, however. <laughs> I could believe that. Alan was recognised by Motorsport Australia in, in 2019, being inducted as a member of the Australian Motorsport Hall of Fame. But his family was always right there in the forefront of his mind. Absolutely. Um, Rhonda. Uh, his wife uh, was a uh, girl from the South Coast, actually, uh, I believe, from Tomican. Uh, and she had won the uh, Miss Australia contest when uh, Alan first met her. And uh, he claims he was very, very lucky uh, to have won her favour. And he believes that he may have won that because nobody else at the time were game to invite her out and he plucked up the courage and uh, uh, he was able to win her affection and uh, they got married and had a, a lovely relationship and had a, uh, a son, David, who is uh, a very uh, tall, handsome fellow who went to university and is a very keen footballer, as was Alan Horsley. I have this memory and I it's a memory that I'm not sure is right but you might be able to clear it up. Did you bring Alan to Trolley Speedway in the ACT or just outside the ACT for a night and had him going around the pits looking at all the cars and particularly focusing on the uh, ones with rotary engines? Uh, Alan did come down. It was part of a um, a, uh, a truck uh, meeting where these uh, off-road trucks were running, and uh, Alan was sponsoring uh, one of the the guys who uh, had built one of these trucks. And Alan had come down, and uh, he was always interested in any form of motorsport, and particularly any form of motorsport that he thought he might be able to win. So uh, certainly Alan was uh, always, always very keen on uh, any rotary-powered 
uh, vehicle. Well, you are, of course, a two-time, at least two-time ACT Rally Champion, and you're still competing to this day, looking to uh, head out, doing some tree dodging this weekend. Yes, indeed. Uh, I'm really looking forward to going down to the bigger Valley Rally, which has a, a long, long history. It's been going on for 60, 70 years. So uh, it's a really good rally. The roads are, are really smooth and well graded and that it is just a really, really fun rally uh, to do and certainly a rally that you wouldn't want to miss on the calendar. And, of course, the bigger Valley Rally you are a competitor in, but the Subaru Canberra Rally of Canberra is uh, an event that you have been working in and around, well, you've been working as an official for many, many years on the major Canberra rallies. Uh, indeed. I uh, I did uh, earlier in the early 80s compete in the, the Rally of Canberra, but uh, a very good friend of mine and uh, the director, Adrian Dudok, uh, asked whether I could uh, assist and uh, I was more than happy to assist him and uh, certainly uh, helped him in uh, numerous rallies that led to being bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where it became became an Australian Rally Championship round. And uh, uh, he's got a awesome team uh, together that uh, makes this rally run like clockwork. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be uh, the zero car or the... Uh, the safety car that goes in front of the field to ensure that uh, the, all the, the roads are properly secured and locked and that the, there's no branches or anything that's fallen down on the course. And also I have a, a very loud siren and lights and that helps move the wildlife along so that uh, the likelihood of uh, coming across kangaroos, emus, Wombats is vastly reduced. Not for me, but <laughs> for the rest of the competitors. Well, John, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak about Alan. Wish you all the very best at the Bega Valley Rally this weekend and then look forward to seeing you again at the Rally of Canberra. Thank you very much indeed. Good night. My thanks to John Waterhouse. Our thoughts go out to the Horsley family at this time. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.